1: Welcome to the M.D.'s Fantasy Football Show. Now, for your host, Dan Mater.
3: Welcome back to the show, M.D. Nation! I am so happy to be back. A new week, as we have to recap Week 9. I hope you guys all had a successful weekend. Of course, this is the first recap show. We're talking about all of the Sunday afternoon games. Tomorrow's episode, we'll have the Sunday night, the Monday night recaps, and along with the waiver wire report, which we all look forward to every single week. So that's coming to you tomorrow, but today, we have a lot of information to go over from everything that we learned on Sunday, which was a ton. And we didn't have as many games we normally have, and yet we still learned quite a bit and have a lot that we have to take into consideration when moving forward and what we're going to be able to do or what we have to do for our matchups, for our player values moving forward because most importantly, we have the playoffs coming up. So we have to know exactly what players we can trust. Who do we have to move on from? What preparations do we have to make? Who can we trade? As most of the fantasy trade deadlines are coming up pretty soon. So we don't know exactly most of you leagues Out there are usually week 12, normally speaking. Some are a little bit earlier. But for the most part, fantasy leagues are still able to trade right now. So we have to discover who it is that we want on our teams moving forward. And a lot of that starts with being able to analyze what happened in these games and what to expect moving forward. And that's why the recap shows are so important. But before we get into all that, we do actually have a quick, very quick, Latest news segment. Latest news. Now, our quick latest news segment has everything to do with Josh Gordon. Now, this the claim for him to Seattle happened after we had our show on Friday afternoon after the preview show. So, I haven't had a chance to talk about this yet. So, this is the first shot I've gotten. And, you know, everyone wants to know, what does this mean for Josh Gordon? And especially after today, we're going to get into the Seattle Seahawks and the Tampa Bay game. And we're going to know that DK Metcalf just had the biggest game of his young rookie career. So what does this mean? Well, basically what it means is that David Moore or you know Jaron Brown, whoever the third receiver that has been for the Seattle Seahawks over the past few weeks, gets to be moved aside. And Josh Gordon will come in there. It'll still be Tyler Lockett. uh, It'll still be DK Metcalf. And then Josh Gordon will be on the other side in three receiver sets. What we don't know is exactly who is it going to be when it's just two receivers out there. Are they for some reason, displeased with DK Metcalf, which I can't imagine, especially given what he's been able to produce as a rookie wide receiver that they would be. Are they displeased maybe in the blocking game that they would make Josh Gordon a number two receiver? I don't know. To me, it's a good move for the Seattle Seahawks because it gives you a third weapon when they do have to go three receiver sets, which they have been doing more and more of the time. While they're still a run-first team, they have been going three wide a little bit more often, especially as of late. Seattle's had to throw the ball a bit more than we all expected because that defense isn't quite up to snuff, isn't quite up to what we expected them to be, especially at home. We saw in today's game, and we'll talk about that later, but We know that there are situations where Russell Wilson has to go three wide, four wide even, and try to score, try to throw the ball. So I think Josh Gordon still has some value. He's still a guy who can make big plays. Uh, I showed you that in the Patriots. He still was able to get a decent amount of targets he could produce in that situation. Patriots offense really has not been clicking yet this season due to some blocking issues and uh, Brady just not really throwing the deep ball the way he used to anymore but I think on Seattle, he could still be a big play guy. Problem you're going to run into is that he can't be anything more than a wide receiver four with upside at the most, right? Because DK Metcalf is going to be there. They're going to have similar roles. Now, Josh Corey might be a little bit more of a savvy veteran. They might use him a little bit more in an intermediate game than they would DK Metcalf and have him keep running bombs, but they're essentially going to be used as similar wide receivers with Tyler Lockett running around in the middle. So, until we actually see this play out, until we see exactly what the target share could possibly be, it might be a couple of weeks before you can even know when or what situation you can play Josh Gordon. Now, in a couple of weeks, it may not matter because in a couple of weeks, we got week 12 coming up. That's one of the heaviest bye weeks. Week 10, 11, 12 are really crazy with the bye weeks this year. It seems like they the NFL just packed all the teams in these three weeks to have off all at the same time. It's really insane what we've seen so far. So, We have to take all that into consideration when we're looking at Josh Gordon. Right now, all I can say is that I think you should keep him on your benches because there is a role, there is a possibility that I could see him having some decent fantasy value. Because like I said, he can make the big play, and Seattle likes to take their shots. So he's going to be somebody who's going to have some upside for you, especially these bye weeks coming up. But you're not going to want to play him this week. You're going to want to see what happens this week. So that would be my big tidbit for you guys when it comes to Josh Gordon, and everyone wants to take that into consideration. And it definitely takes away the value of DK Metcalf, who had been a matchup-based, home run threat type of wide receiver. That's what the role he's been filling. He's going to have targets taken away with Josh Gordon being there that, that much we know for sure. So we're going to take a quick break. Come back on the other side, get started on the recap shows for you guys. The MD's fantasy football show is proud to become the newest member of the belly up sports network. The belly up sports network is a rising star in the sports industry. After having emerged onto the scene in just a year, they have accrued a massive following with bold articles, standout podcasts, and great debate amongst followers in the forums. Sign up for their newsletter and get access to all of the information throughout the Belly Up Sports Network. Go to bellyupsports.com today to join. Be bold and stand out. Well, we might as well begin our episode where the day began, which was the London game at 9.30 in the morning East Coast time. The Houston Texans and the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I'll have to be the first to admit, this game did not go the way I thought it would. Especially starting off on the Jaguars side of the ball. Look, we were coming in, in my defense... And I, I'm, I'm not alone in this, by the way, when I was telling you guys to play as many Jaguars as you could. Wasn't alone in this. In my defense, Houston Texans are on pretty much their JV squad at the secondary position. No J.J. Watts. They shouldn't have had a pass rush, and they didn't have much of one in this game or much of a run game or much of a run defense. And yet somehow they did have one in this game. Uh, the Texans even basically played way better than I thought that they were capable of doing. Now, of course, they do it for this game. I'm sure the next game that the Houston Texas play in, they'll probably wind up giving up, you know, a million points because that's how cruel fantasy football is to me. But Gardner Minshew, I thought for sure he would come in. We knew this is a situation where Nick Foles is going to be back after their bye in week eleven. Doug Morrone's come out and said it's gonna within the next forty-eight hours, he's gonna talk about who's going to be the starting quarterback for this team. And knowing that he just had a really good performance last week. Knowing that if he put together a good performance in this week's game, and if they were able to win the football game, he would have a really good shot to hold on to the starting job. And given the matchup with the Houston Texans, and what they have done defensively so far in the situation they have been in, I thought for sure Gardner Minshew would have a big week. And if you look at the box score, he had 300 yards, but no touchdowns, two interceptions, also had two fumbles in this game. Now, most of that came in the fourth quarter when they were down by three scores. And at that point, you're just trying to make plays happen, and you're taking chances that you wouldn't normally take. So not all of those turnovers are really on him. Those turnovers didn't actually play a role in them losing this game, frankly. It was just a by-factor of it. So threw the ball 47 times just they couldn't get anything going not consistently they couldn't get dj chark who i had in my top top wide receiver ones for the week in this matchup who the guy who has been the most targeted red zone wide receiver throughout the league in a great matchup for him and no dd westbrook so all the volume you are thinking would go his way and yet he comes away nine targets led the team there but only four catches for 32 yards Keelan Cole, Keelan Cole hasn't been a thing since the offseason of a year ago, and he had the five catches for 80 yards in this game. Rykel Armstead, who hasn't been used almost period throughout the entire season, had five catches for 65 yards in this one. Now, before you Leonard Fournette owners, before you get worried if you didn't see this game, Leonard Fournette also had five receptions in this game, had six targets, 32 yards. This was a by-factor of they were going no huddle. They were, you know, down by a few scores. Leonard Frenette just didn't play as much in the second half. He only had 11 carries for 40 yards. It was a big disappointment for him in that department as well. Still wound up with a decent floor, but it's still a, a definitely a major disappointment, especially for a guy who just can't seemingly get the lid off the end zone. I mean, hopefully, he should with the touches that he's been getting with the way that offense has been moving the ball, he should be getting more touchdowns when they come back after the bye week. That should be a thing. But, For now, we got the bye week coming up. He's still getting the most touches out of any running back in the AFC. Still one of the top guys next to Christian McCaffrey as far as overall touches go. So you're not going to worry about anything with Leonard Fournette there. And I'm not going to worry about anything with DJ Chark. I take that back. (laughs) I take that back. I am going to worry about something with DJ Chark. Sorry. Brain fart there for a minute. I am worried about DJ Chark. Why? Because if Nick Foles comes back, which now after this performance is a more likelihood, even though... The Jaguars, in my opinion, still should not transfer things over to Nick Foles. I think Gardner Minshew is better for what this team is right now. He's better for that offense. His scrappiness is something I think this team feeds off of. Not to mention, I think he's a he be- will do a better job being able to move the chains with this offensive line than Nick Foles will ever be able to. And by the way, Nick Foles is a bum. So all Eagles fans out there, he had a great run with you guys. That's fine. Whenever he's been put in a situation where there's expectations on him, and he's not just an underdog. He's not just a guy that if he gives you a decent, clean game, you're happy with it. No. When there's expectations on Nick Foles, he folds. Period. Every time. That's why he was almost running out of the league. He's not good. They should stick with Gardner Minshew. But if they do not, if they do switch over to Nick Foles, D.D. Westbrook comes back after the bye, presumably. He didn't play in this game. Nick Foles, his favorite receiver is D.D. Westbrook, not D.J. Chark. Now, D.J. Chark has made a name for himself in this offense, enough so to the point where I don't think he's going to suddenly be forgotten about just because Nick Foles now becomes the starting quarterback. But D.D. Westbrook could go to being the number one wide receiver because he's the one who had the rapport with Nick Foles. D.J. Chark might not be so heavily targeted in the red zone, Not might not have so many jump balls thrown his way to be able to make plays on. So I am a little worried about D.J. Chark if Nick Foles winds up being the starting quarterback. There is some reason for some concern there that his volume may take a downtick. He'll still be, at the very least, a wide receiver three. But right now, he's been a wide receiver two with upside. You've been really been able to use him every single week. It may not be the case when Nick Foles comes in. We'll have to see how that all shakes out. But just a, a warning, a cautionary tale for you all. On the Texans' side of the ball... Deshaun Watson didn't have a great game as far as the stat line goes. Fantasy football purposes, he was serviceable enough. Two, only 200 yards, but he had two touchdowns, tacked on 37 rushing yards. But he played a very good game. He made tough throws. He was under duress. He made great plays in key moments. He played a good game. But fantasy purposes, it was just he was solid. He was solid. Carlos Hyde had a great game for fantasy. 19 carries, 160 yards didn't have a touchdown, didn't tackle on a reception, didn't need to. He had that one big fumble where he had the 60-yard run that should have went for a touchdown. I'm convinced that he thought he was in the end zone. He, I think he didn't think there was another player around him. I, thought it, I think the way he pulled up at the end, he thought he could just waltz in. He didn't realize that there was somebody right behind him breathing down his neck when he got stripped. I, I think that's what happened there. But, you're going to take 19 carries for 160 yards, even if it means maybe taking a, a little bit of a deduction on the fumble when it comes to Carlos High against Jacksonville Jaguars. He continues to show you that he is the number one running back for this team. Yes, Duke Johnson's actually the one who winds up with the touchdown in this situation, and he had five for 68 yards, making this the third week in a row that Duke Johnson has actually been involved in the passing game, making him almost relevant in the flex for full-point PPR. Now, look, with these Big-time bye weeks coming up, he may actually be somebody you need to go ahead and pick up, and he may wind up being somebody on my waiver wire. We're going to we're gonna see. I, I, his, his ownership has been hovering around that 50% mark, so we'll see if he qualifies or not. But with these bye weeks, I think you can take the chance on him. I've been avidly against him because they don't throw the ball to the running backs consistently enough. They don't utilize him consistently enough. He's just as likely to get you a one-point day as he is a 12-point day. And that's really where his ceiling is, right? It's pretty much a 12-point day. He gets a touchdown here. got you a little bit more here. But more times than not, he's not going to be in a situation where he gets you 100 yards from scrimmage with a touchdown. That's not that's not his game. That's not what he's going to be able to do. So it does limit his ceiling quite a bit. So I'm going have to steer away from him. But with some of these weeks coming up, he might be somebody that in PPR leagues, you might be able to take a chance on. As far as wide receivers go, DeAndre Hopkins didn't do much yardage-wise, but did have eight catches in this game, 48 yards, did get the touchdown at the very end of the game, and did have 11 targets compared to the second most targets, which was Duke Johnson with five. Kenny Stills had four catches on four targets, 52 yards. Look, him getting four catches, four to five targets, that's about what you're going to expect out of Kenny Stills. It's going to be a matter of does he catch the bomb on one of those. That's what you're going to be looking for. In this game, against a team that typically plays a cover three zone, I don't think you were expecting that to really be the case anyway. So nothing really changes for me with the Houston Texans moving forward. You're going to play who you're going to play. I still think Kenny Stills has upside potential in certain matchups. You just got to pick and choose when those matchups are. And it's still going to be a while before Will Fuller comes back, so I think you're fine there. Next game we're going to talk about is the Redskins and the Buffalo Bills. Pretty much a one-side affair, but what I will say on the Redskins' side of the ball, Adrian Peterson was impressive in this game. 18 carries, 108 yards, one catch, 22 yards against a Buffalo Bills team that up until the last couple of weeks had been pretty good against the run. Now, all of a sudden now, this is two weeks in a row, and this this isn't a very good Washington Redskins football team or a very good offensive line that gashed them on the running game. So all of a sudden now, Buffalo might be a team that maybe you're not so afraid of If you have a running back going up against them, not with the way they've been playing as of late. So, something to kind of keep in mind there. There's definitely a trend heading in that direction. But yeah, AP looking impressive. Here's the thing, though they go on their bye. It sounds like Darius Geis is going to be back in week 11. So, this might have been, this was great for AP because this might have been his last game where he got to shine. No, we'll see. Darius Geis has shown that he can't stay healthy worth a lick. He's only played one NFL game, and he got hurt, and he didn't even make it through the the entire four quarters of the game. So we'll see what happens moving forward, but it stands to reason that if he can manage to stay healthy even for a little bit, Adrian Peterson might have had his last game as the workhorse back for the Washington Redskins, maybe even in for the NFL. So just keep that in mind. But Terry McLaurin here... Four catches, 39 yards on six targets. These weren't very good. They couldn't get the job done. Dwayne Haskins, 15-22, 144 yards. Not great. Not terrible. He didn't have any touchdowns, but he didn't have any interceptions either. Just look. They just look dominated. They just look outmatched. And It's kind of how the Redskins have looked all season long. I still think Terry McLaurin is somebody you can hold on to fantasy-wise. I still think he's somebody you're going to be able to play on a regular basis. I don't know if Dwayne Haskins is going to be the starter from now on for the rest of the year or not. I kind of feel like the Redskins at this point don't have anything to lose. But it's definitely a bit of a question mark if that's actually going to be the case. If Case Keenum plays, I think you can go back to Terry McLaurin being a higher-end wide receiver 3. I think Dwayne Haskins, even if he does continue to play, will still improve and be able to hit Terry McLaurin more often. This was a tough matchup from the get-go. We know the Buffalo secondary has been pretty good. So I'm not going to worry about too much. But it may not be McLaurin is matchup-proof like he was. So that would be the one thing that I would keep in mind here as we go into the bye week coming out the other side. For the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen... He did his Josh Allen thing. He wasn't impressive in the passing game. 14 of 20, only 160 yards. But he got you a passing touchdown, and he got you a rushing touchdown. So he held his floor in a what should be a plus-plus matchup. This is Josh Allen. This is why he drives me crazy as a streamer, why he drives me crazy as a ranker, because it's so dependent on him scoring touchdowns. It's so dependent on him being able to use his legs. And... If he doesn't do that, and he doesn't have a great game passing, then you can have the floor drop out from underneath of you. That didn't happen in this game, but you also did not get that ceiling play that you were hoping for going up against the Washington Redskins that you would typically see. And he's still capable of having a run like he did a season ago at the end of the year where he was a QB1. But counting on it, that's fool's gold. So just keep that in mind with Josh Allen. Devin Singletary went off. And it, it's not like he dominated the carries. He did get most of the work in this game, but Frank Gore still had 11 carries in this game for 15 yards. 11 carries for 15 yards Frank Gore. Meanwhile, Devin Singletary, 20 carries, 95 yards, a touchdown, three catches, 45 yards. My only question to Buffalo Bills would be this. Is this now enough for Devin Singletary to take over moving forward? Because that's what I've been waiting for. It has been clear-cut to me that Devin Singletary is not just your best running back on this team, but he is your best offensive player. Is this the game that you finally say, hey, you know what? He had 20 carries in this game, 23 touches overall. He was able to come out perfectly healthy on the other side. We want to be a run-first team anyway. Frank Gore will still be involved. Is this the game we finally say, you know what? You're our guy moving forward. Because it should be. It should be. And if you're a Devin Singletary owner, I would definitely be definitely be hoping for that. And if that would wind up being the case, you'll have an RB2 on your hands. But we still don't know. We've seen this before. Yes, he got hurt soon after. It seemed like he was going to take over. But with the Bills, we never know. And it looks like Frank Gore is still not going to completely go away. So we do know it has to be game flow dependent, right? It has to be a situation where the Bills can just run the football the entire game. That's going to be the game plan, but they're not always going to be in that situation. Devin Singletary is the pass catcher, but they don't dump it down to the running back a lot. Now, in this game, he broke a big one on the screen for 49 yards, but then he had two more catches, and he actually lost four yards total in the day. So just to keep that in mind. Hopefully, this is the game Devin Singletary is able to take over from here on out, but we're really not going to know that until next week. John Brown, four catches, 76 yards, seven targets. He continues to be a serviceable wide receiver three and plus matchups. That's about it. Next game up, we got the Minnesota Vikings. We got the Kansas City Chiefs. This wound up being a thriller game. Really a great one. Chiefs come out on top at the very end. Matt Moore goes out in a blazing flame of glory as he was able to get the game-winning field goal set up for this team to be able to actually win and beat the Minnesota Vikings right before Patrick Mahomes returns next week. Team did pretty good. Look, Lashawn McCoy was still in the doghouse. That was my question, right? Before, he was in the doghouse, but there was like 10 days before the next game. He had some time to kind of work his way out of it and practice. This week, the Chiefs didn't really stick with the run, but Damian Williams was by far the superior runner. Now, having said that, all of that came on 91 yards. He had 125 yards, yes. All of that came on 91 yards. He had... 12 carries, 125, which means 11 carries for 34 yards outside of that 91 yard rush. All right, so let's not go crazy. All of a sudden, Damian. Oh, Damian was going to make his big second late season surge, where all of a sudden he takes over. Like, no, 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 no. cool it, cool it. It's just as likely next week, Lashawn McCoy is the guy who gets 12 carries, and Damian Williams gets three. Just as likely that happens. But what I will say is that coming off of a game in which McCoy fumbled and was put in the doghouse for the rest of that game, if you're a McCoy owner, you definitely don't want to see this where he seemingly stayed in the doghouse throughout this one as well. You definitely don't want to see that. So until further notice, I don't think you can play LeSean McCoy even as a flex in any league. Not that he was a high-end flex to begin with, but he was somebody with these bye weeks that maybe you're looking for to be a spot starter. I don't think you can do that anymore until we see something different. Uh, Damian Williams would still not be a sparse starter for me either, because like I said, it's just as likely to pendulum could swing the other way. And also, just want to keep pointing out, other than that big run, he was still incredibly inefficient on the ground. So let's not get it carried away. And in this game, he only was targeted twice. Tyreek Hill, 6 catches, 140 yards, a touchdown on 8 targets. Sammy Watkins had 7 catches, only 63 yards, but actually had the most targets with double digits, 10 Travis Kelsey, seven catches, 62 yards, almost an identical stat line of Sammy Watkins there on nine targets. All three of these guys, as good as they have been with Matt Moore, all get to get a little bit more of an uptick with Patrick Mahomes. Now, their production might not necessarily outproduce what they have done with Matt Moore, but they will have higher ceilings in any given week, obviously, with Patrick Mahomes. And with all three of them healthy, yes, even with Patrick Mahomes coming back, that doesn't mean Nicole Harmon and the Marcus Robinsons of the world suddenly become valuable. Starting next week, week 10 is going to be the first week in a really long time, really all season, that we're actually going to see this offense fully healthy with all of its weapons. It's going to be dangerous to see. It's going to be dangerous to see. On the Vikings' side of the ball, I was really disappointed with a lot of guys. Kirk Cousins... He wound up being okay for you fantasy wise because he didn't have any interceptions. He did have three touchdowns in this game, but only 220 yards. And what was really disappointing was, of course, one, Adam Thielen getting re-aggravated in the first quarter with his hamstring injury and had to leave the game. So that, that that's aggravating, but that's something that you know when ham, with hamstring injuries is a possibility to happen. What was really aggravating was the fact that Stefan Diggs, with no Adam Thielen in this game, only had four targets, one catch for four yards. That was aggravating. That was insane. It was insane. Look, I know the Kansas City Chiefs on paper have been pretty good against outside wide receivers. They've been terrible against slot receivers. And with no Adam Thielen, they sh- there's no reason in the world they should have been utilizing and moving Stephon Diggs all around the field. And they were not. You know who's getting moved around? Laquan Treadwell. Who like Didn't they cut this guy not that long ago? Dalvin Cook was involved which is a good thing because he didn't give you much on the ground. He got his normal touches, but the Chiefs actually played pretty good defense in this one. 21 carries, 71 yards, 4 catches, 45 yards. Yes, he still gives you 100 yards from scrimmage, but no touchdown this game for the first time in a while. Kyle Rudolph gets you a touchdown. Who cares? They're they're not going to utilize. The only time the tight ends get utilized when Adam Thielen is out. And even when he is, Irv Smith Jr. and Kyle Rudolph split split touches, apparently. It's a a tight end by committee over there. So not something you're going to want to touch moving forward. We'll have to see exactly what happens with Adam Thielen uh, going into next week. We're not really going to know that yet. But it's not great that he got re-aggravated. There's a real chance he misses next week's game, too. So keep that in mind. It should mean if that does is the case, it should mean a high floor for Stephon Diggs. Uh, I'm just going to take this game. I'm going to throw it out. He had been on a crazy hot streak up until this point. I'm not going to worry about that too much. Next game we're going to talk about Chicago Bears, Philadelphia Eagles. This was a it's kind of an ugly game. I mean, it was a really ugly game, honestly, especially for fantasy purposes. Look, Carson Wentz, not that great, 239 yards and a touchdown. I did think you could start Carson Wentz, and he wasn't terrible in this game, but the big thing that I based that on was Deshaun Jackson coming back. He did come back in this game. He also, like Adam Thielen, got knocked out in the first quarter of this game. (laughs) I mean, just coming back from injury and just getting completely re-aggravated again. Now, we don't have a ton of details right now as far as his injury goes, exactly what we're looking at, exactly how long this is going to be expected to be now. We don't know yet, but... I think it could be safe to say that unless it winds up being a very minor reaggravation, I wouldn't be surprised if this was the last of Deshaun Jackson we've seen this year. Wouldn't surprise me. Waited all this time to come back only to get re-aggravated in the first quarter. It we'll, we'll wait to see. And you hold Deshaun Jackson until you get further news. Because if it winds up being super minor and he comes back to say next week, he's somebody you don't want to keep on your fantasy teams. But... We may be getting to the point where it'll be soon time to drop Deshaun Jackson depending on what kind of news we're able to get back in return. Jordan Howard gets his revenge. 19 carries, 82 yards, a touchdown. Teams continue to be able to run the ball with effectiveness against the Chicago Bears. This game is no different. Even Miles Sanders, 10 carries for 42 yards. Fantasy-wise, it's nothing you're going to be super excited about, but his efficiency was there, 4.2 yards a carry. So all you need to know is that No matter who the running back was, they were efficient against the Chicago Bears. They continue to be a team that you can start your running backs against. And Jordan Howard continues to be a guy that you can play for touchdown potential. Zach Ertz came to life in this game. Finally, finally. We didn't even have Deshaun Jackson in most of this game. I thought that could be a key for Zach Ertz coming back to life, and he really wasn't out there for much of it, but Zach Ertz finally got his targets, 11 targets in this game, 9 catches, 103 yards, a touchdown. We haven't seen this from Zach Ertz all season long. Where has this been? I don't know. Carson Wentz finally looked for him and gave it to him and actually utilized him as the top-end weapon that they should be utilizing him as. Look, I don't know if this is going to help turn a corner. Chicago's been pretty bad against the tight end for most of the season, especially when they face elite tight ends, so it may just be a byproduct of that and nothing more, but it stands to reason that this could really go a long way for these guys if they can get Zach Ertz going. Dallas Goddard was still involved. Four catches, 39 yards on five targets. Zach Ertz needs to get going, I think, for this Eagle offense to take a step up, especially if they're not going to get Deshaun Jackson back. Austin Jeffrey did not get his revenge on Chicago this time. Four catches, 36 yards on eight targets just didn't get open the entire game. And it goes back to when there's no Deshaun Jackson, there's no speed on the opposite side of the field. Teams just double him and feel You don't have to worry about it. Also, Jeffrey's not a guy who gets a ton of separation. He's not a guy who's going to burn you in the first place. He's a guy who makes 50 50 balls. He needs one on one to do that. He's not going to get that if there's no secondary weapon on the opposite perimeter to be fearful of. Plain and simple. Chicago side of the ball. Mitch Trubisky, blah, blah, blah. 10 of 21, 125 yards. No touchdowns, no interceptions, 15 yards rushing. I mean, how bad do you have to be before Chicago's just like, you know what? Maybe we just hand this thing over to Chase Daniels, and then next offseason we just call it a day with you. I mean, I've never been a Mitchell Trubisky fan. If you've been listening to this show for the past couple of years, you're well aware of that. But this is beyond bad. Beyond bad. And what's killing me, especially from a fantasy football perspective, is that Allen Robinson against the Philadelphia Eagles should have been a borderline top 12 play. And yet, what does he do? One catch for six yards on five targets. Now, yes, he had a play where he went over 40 yards that was called back to the penalty. Fine. One catch, six yards on five targets against the Philadelphia Eagles in a game that you were trailing the entire time. How does that happen? I'll tell you how that happens. It's because your quarterback's Mitchell Trubisky. I mean, Alan Robinson was better with Chase Daniel under the helm. This offense, frankly, is better with Chase Daniel under helm. Imagine if they were actually running the football the way they did the way they're doing now with Chase Daniel. They might actually be competent. I'm not a Chase Daniels fan. Believe me, I can't believe I'm trying to advocate for this guy right now, but that's how bad Mitchell Trubisky is. That's how bad he is for fantasy teams, for real-life teams, for everything. I mean, it's pathetic watching this guy play football right now. Plain and simple. And if you have shares of Bear players, which at this point should only be David Montgomery and Allen Robinson, and you can't possibly own any other shares of this of this team. I know some people want to say Tariq Cohen in PPR leagues. Well, I'll say to you about that is uh, no way. No way. How can you trust three Cone at this point? Five targets, two catches, nine yards. Until Mitch Trubisky is no longer the quarterback, I can only trust two players to actually get the ball because it's basins. And as Alan Robinson showed you in this one, you can't even necessarily trust him to get the ball when he's supposed to. What happens next week when they play Detroit and Darius Slay is back? It's it's a maddening situation. It, it really It really is. And we'll we'll examine that and we'll get into that as we go into next week and what all that all means. But right now for Chicago Bears, whew, I want no parts of them, no parts of them. Mitch Trubisky's that bad. Dave Montgomery did get two touchdowns in this game, 14 carries, 40 yards. wasn't very efficient. Didn't expect him to be against Philadelphia Eagles. The one thing he has going for him is that there's definitely an emphasis to make sure he's getting the ball enough. And if you say you know 17 total touches isn't a ton, that's a lot considering how this game was going considering the Eagles' dominated time of possession. So that is the silver line that you could take out of if you are a David Montgomery owner, is that you got the couple touchdowns, which is always great, but there's going to be definitely an emphasis that he's getting the ball enough each and every week to be a lower-end RB2 for you in most weeks. We're going to take a quick break, come back on the other side. We still got more games to recap. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is now partnered with the Unwrapped Sports Network. Unwrapped Sports Network has a top-notch sports blog covering all sports all the time with a team of talented writers. You can also visit their podcast page to listen to this show and several others covering multiple sports. Sign up for their newsletter and never miss a thing at unwrapsports.com. Again, that's UnwrappedSports.com. All right, so we're going to pick up the pace a little bit. We're... Take a little too much time. Don't want this episode to go too long. We don't have as many games to go through. Um, So we're going to go ahead and roll right along here and get right into the Tennessee Titans and the Carolina Panthers in this matchup. Ryan Tannehill, 331 yards, a touchdown on two interceptions. He's going to be one of those guys that's going to keep driving people crazy as far as, oh, should he be a streamer? Should he not? Look, more times than not, no. Only in a desperate, very, very desperate situation can you even consider Ryan Tannehill. And even then, it has to be a great matchup. And on the road in Carolina was not going to be one of those times. All you need him to keep doing is playing better than Marcus Mariota so that he can keep bringing some fantasy value to the wide receivers, like A.J. Brown, who had four catches for 81 yards on seven targets. Corey Davis is... Pfft, Corey Davis should not be on your team's. A.J. Brown is the only wide receiver, and he's only a wide receiver four in his own right, and only a spot start in in desperate situations on bye weeks. But Corey Davis is not anything that you want to sink your teeth into, not anything that you want to spot start or hope for. He's nothing more than a wide receiver five, maybe even a wide receiver six at this point. Let's be real. A.J. Brown is the only one who can make the plays. He's the one who's going to get the touchdown majority of the time. He's the one who's going to get the screens. He gets more of the slot work. He gets more of the targets on a consistent basis. And even he's only wide receiver four. Really, at the end of the day, I think there's only one Tennessee Titan you really want to own. And that's Derrick Henry. That includes, by the way, Janu Smith. I I don't know about how much you want to own Janu Smith. I think he's nothing more than a streamer option. I know a lot of people keep on hyping him up. And I kept saying, how is he different than Jared Cook? He's going to have a great game, which he did, and then lay an egg the rest of the way. No doubt about it. That's what he's done. Delaney Walker should be back sooner rather than later. Janu Smith is going to not have much fantasy value here moving forward for me. He is nothing more than a shot in a dark play at tight end, which is most of the position, I grant you. And I know he has the athletic ability, but he's not consistent. Never has been, never will be. Derrick Henry's the only guy that you care about for Tennessee Titans. He came through for you. 13 carries, 63 yards, a touchdown. in this one also tacked on three catches for 36 yards and a receiving touchdown. Now, the receiving statistics, as we all know, is not something you need to think that you're going to be able to get again moving forward. It's not something you look for. But he is the playmaker of the Tennessee Titans that you want to have. He continues to find ways to be a high-end RB2 for you each and every week just like on the other side of the ball, Christian McCaffrey finds a way to be the RB1, the overall RB1 for you every single week, having a historic fantasy season. 24 carries, 146 yards, two rushing touchdowns, and then also tacked on three catches for 20 yards and a receiving touchdown. This is another tough matchup, by the way, on paper against Tennessee Titans. Yeah, you're not supposed to be able to run on these guys like they're Swiss cheese, which he did. Uh, once again just like he did against 49ers you know just which that of course got a little bit side taken after we saw kenny and drake after two days be able to gut the 49ers as well so they might not be as good of a run defense as a lot of people thought but stands to reason two weeks in a row now or two games in a row now i should say christian mccaffrey in tough matchups has completely blown the doors off completely kyle allen was subpar in the this game again 232 yards two touchdowns and interception but it sounds like cam newton very well could be done for the season so kyle allen should be the starting quarterback moving forward that means the receivers are worth what they're worth look dj moore seven catches 101 yards on 10 targets he continues to be the number one target receiver he continues to have a high floor especially in ppr leagues he continues to get somewhere between five and seven catches almost every single week this is one of the few games he's gone over 100 yards, by the way, and he doesn't score many touchdowns, but he has that safe floor for you week in and week out. Curtis Samuel did get the touchdown in this one, but only three catches, 64 yards on six targets. He's been somebody who's been used pretty consistently. You can use him as a wide receiver for in spot stars, especially with the bye weeks coming up. He is somebody who I'm okay with using in those certain situations, but He's not always going to have the greatest floor in the world. There's something to keep in mind there. But there's definitely the worst plays that you could have as we move forward these bye weeks. Next up, not going to spend too much time on it. Jets and the Dolphins. This abysmal of a game. Hey, the Dolphins got their first win of the season. We were all weren't really sure if that would ever happen at any point, but leave it to the New York Jets to find a way. Ryan Fitzpatrick, of course, gets his revenge in this one. 288 yards, three touchdowns before you ask. No, Fitzmagic is not back. No, Fitzpatrick should not be a streaming quarterback for you moving forward, even with the late schedule that the Miami Dolphins have upcoming. No. Next question you're going to have, Mark Walton. Ah, yes, Mark Walton. Guess what? He's in a committee. Shocker, right? We all thought Mark Walton would get a chance to be the workhorse back. Wrong. 12 carries, but Kalen Balaj had 7 carries. Really not that far off. Not the type of split you're looking for, especially when you're playing Mark Walton Walton as nothing more than a guy to get a high floor out of because he should be getting all of this work, right? So, it's not enough for me. It's a terrible team. (sighs) It's hard for me to say to drop him because he's starting running back in the NFL. And with some of these weeks coming up, you just may have, need to play somebody who has a pulse, frankly. And he has a pulse. I'll, I'll give him that. He does have a pulse. But you can't play him and hope to get much out of him. You're just getting a guy that you know might get you six points. That was That's what you're aiming for. And even in this game, he didn't even get you that unless you're in a PPR league. So just something to keep in mind there. Really just want to stay away from this team. Preston Williams had a great game, and then he got hurt. It was really a shame to see because he had five catches, 72 yards. He finally got into the end zone twice this game. Looking good, him and Devontae Parker have been pretty good so far this season. They have been able to put up good performances week in and week out on a consistent basis. I really have. But now with Preston Williams out, Devontae Parker might get some added volume. It might put him in the top end wide receiver for territory, possibly low in wide receiver three, being that he'll be a lone receiver getting most of the work, and Ryan Fitzpatrick's not afraid to just throw 50-50 balls all day. He scored again in this one, too. Four catches, 57 yards. Mike Kosicki got involved in this game. We hadn't seen that yet. Six catches, 95 yards. I know people are looking for guys at the tight end position that might have some kind of value. I would not go after Mike Kosicki here. I just just wouldn't do it. Would stay away. This isn't a game where I'm like, oh, look, the Dolphins might turn a corner in certain matchups. You could see them going up and using Mike Kosicki. No, it's not going to happen, even with Preston Williams out. Devontae Parker, I'm good with you owning him. We'll see exactly what the nature of the injury is for Preston Williams moving forward, because I'll still be good owning him as long as it's minor. Outside of that, don't touch anybody for the Dolphins. On the Jets side of the ball, Sam Darnold, wow, he came out really good. He looked good in the first part of this game and then stuck it up in true Sam Darnold fashion. Awful. Awful. 27-39 for 260 yards against the Dolphins that didn't even have an Xavier Howard out there in their secondary. Touchdown and interception. I mean, terrible. Absolutely terrible. The only plus side was that Jameson Crowder got back to being PPR relevant. Eight catches, 83 yards, and a touchdown. Now, a touchdown is not something you can count on, he's not usually going to score but he is somebody I kept looking at should be the number one targeted receiver in this offense. Hadn't been the case too much, but it's also been a weird year. Luke Falk's been playing quarterback for them with Sam Darnold been out for a few weeks. They talked about the fact that they need to get Crowder more involved. I still think he has some spot start value for you in PPR leagues only. Not half point, not standard. the The floor that the Jets have in just as a team in general. could The bottom could just fall out from underneath of you, and then you're left with nothing. So that's why with James Crowder look, they have great matchups coming up, all of which are bad against the slot receiver. He'll be targeted the most or at least the most consistently on a week-to-week basis of all the receivers because he plays that slot role in the Adam Gay system. So I still think he has value there. Should be owned, can be played in the flex. But you know, just make sure you temper your expectations. He's not normally going to score a touchdown, so just keep that in mind, too. Le'Veon Bell, definitely, the conversation definitely worked as far as getting him the ball more. Uh, 25 total touches in this game, 17 carries, 66 yards, 8 catches, 55 yards. The only thing he didn't do was get in the end zone. He actually tied Jameson Crowder with the most targets on the team with 9. So, look, this is what you want on Le'Veon, right? This is what you expect. Give him a bunch of touches, which they did in this game, especially with this upcoming schedule that they have, and let him go to work. And he gave you a high floor. If he ever gets into the end zone consistently, he's going to give you RB1 production. All he has to do is get in the end zone once in this game, and he's a top five running back of the week. That's all I would have taken. So just keep that in mind. If you have Le'Veon Bell, you're doing good. Still gave you over 100 yards from scrimmage this game. You'll take that all day. One touchdown away from being an RB1 performance. Next up, we got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Seattle Seahawks. This game did not go how I expected it to. Uh, I thought like there could be a higher scoring type of game, given the matchup, but I didn't think it was going to be the high scoring game of the week. I didn't think it was going to be 40-34 to going into overtime. I didn't think Tampa Bay was going to push them to the limit like that. It was crazy. James Winston, he played a good game. Played a really good game. He's not getting any credit for it because they lost. He played a really good game. 29-44, 335 yards, two touchdowns. No turnovers. No turnovers. Hit Mike Evans when he needed to. Twelve catches, 180 yards, and a touchdown. Hit Chris Godwin, seven catches, 61 yards in this game. The pendulum has definitely flipped on Evans and Godwin, where they are going to make sure Evans is getting more looks than Godwin. I think that much is clear at this point. Like that—that's the Tampa Bay's go. Like they're going to make sure, make sure, make sure. Mike Evans is getting more targets and then Chris Godwin moving forward. Not that Chris Godwin isn't still going to be a top-notch wide receiver for you. Not that he still can't put up wide receiver one numbers. Not that he's still not going to be a high-end wide receiver two. He is going to be all those things. But the days of him being a top-five wide receiver week in and week out, those might be over because move over because here comes Mike Evans showing off why he's an elite receiver, why he's a budding superstar. They're just making sure he gets the ball. That I expect that to continue. Ronald Jones was the running back to have in this one. Did you know that before the game? Because no one did. 18 carries, 67 yards, a touchdown. This is what we've talked about in the past. It's just as likely next week that Peyton Barber is a leading rusher. So still stay away. This is no indication on anything right now. If we see it two weeks in a row... Then maybe we'll talk about it because Ronald Jones is somebody who's less than 50% owned. But until that happens, you can't trust it. On the Seattle Seahawks side of the ball, Russell Wilson continues to impress. Look, he had a bad week last week, but what did I tell you? He's going to be a QB. He's been a QB one. He's been a top three quarterback for fantasy purposes all season long. He's going to keeps taking his big shots. They're going to get more weapons now with Josh Gordon coming in. Russell Wilson's a quarterback one this season. Top five quarterback for fantasy football purposes. Comes back in this game and shows you why. 29-43, 378 yards, five touchdowns. Five touchdowns. Tacked on 21 yards rushing. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbel- it was a great matchup. You knew he had a chance to go off like this, but... Woo, you had Russell Wilson. You probably won today. Chris Carson, against a top-notch run defense, did great. 16 16- carries 105 yards looks great was able to gash this Tampa Bay defense and they didn't give him the ball the the normal you know 20 carries that they usually try to give him either couldn't had to keep pace this game was so open as far as the scoring goes and yet he was still able to impress two catches 28 yards Rashad Penny continues to be a non-factor continues to be nothing more than a handcuff. So your only hope right now, as a Chris Carson, I should say your only concern right now as a Chris Carson owner is that please, please, oh, please let him stay healthy throughout the entire playoff stretch. That's all you're really hoping for at this point. Because otherwise, you're good to go. Tyler Lockett, 13 catches, 152 yards, and two touchdowns. Tyler Lockett has been a middling Wide receiver one all season long. The targets have been there. Even when Seattle doesn't have great games in the air, he still usually either catches a touchdown or gives you a high floor. And then, of course, he has this capability of just winning you a week single-handedly. DK Metcalf had a great game in this one. Six catches, 123 yards, and a touchdown. Talked about him a little bit in the latest news segment with Josh Gordon coming back. He is the guy who will be hurt the most by this, but still doesn't mean he won't get his shots. We're going to have to see how that all plays out over the next couple of weeks. It was nice, though, to see DK Metcalf get going here because he's really had a phenomenal rookie season. And it would really be a shame to see him play less. And I'm worried that's what might happen. But like I said, we'll keep our eyes on those reports, on the practice reports, what's going on in there. And of course, next week will be a big... A big indication. Now, One thing with DK Metcalf is that you're only really playing him in certain matchup situations anyway, so being that he's not somebody you should be depending on in your fantasy lineups, hopefully, uh, you will get a chance to kind of collect some data next week, and we'll be able to examine it and project it out from there. But for right now, do expect DK Metcalf next week to be the number two wide receiver still. I wouldn't expect Josh Gordon to come in week one and take it away from him. So keep that in mind too. Jacob Hollister was a Common streaming tight end option. He didn't disappoint. He got two touchdowns in this game. Only four catches, 37 yards, but got two touchdowns. It was a good DFS play. He came to play. It continues to show you that when you play against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you can stream whatever tight end's going up against them because they're going to have a shot to get in the end zone. That's how bad they've been. Next game up we're going to talk about is the Lions and the Raiders. This game went down to the wire. This game was high scoring too. 24-31, to the Raiders pulling through at home. Matthew Stafford, though, did not disappoint. 406 yards, three touchdowns. Was able to take advantage of the great matchup that is the Oakland Raiders right now. And along with them, Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, like I said, Oakland Raiders—they're a team where the outside wide receivers generally get the feast. That's why I didn't think Danny Amendola was necessarily going to have a great game in this one. But four catches, 132 yards, and a touchdown on seven targets. Marvin Jones, eight catches, 126 yards, a touchdown on ten targets. I mean, both of them were absolutely phenomenal. Kenny Galladay, honestly, you're almost a little disappointed that on seven targets, he only had four catches in this game. But you can't be—you can't be disappointed with the production at the end of the day. This Detroit Lions offense is going to be high volume the rest of the way with no carry on Johnson. So when they get good matchups like this, with the way Matthew Stafford has been playing this season, expect them to put up good fantasy numbers, especially in great matchups. Now Next week they play Chicago. In Chicago, that will be a little interesting. And we'll get into that as the week goes on when we have the new rankings and projections out for you. Ty Johnson was the lead rusher in this game as far as carries go. Nine carries on 29 yards, although J.D. McKissick was a little more efficient. Four carries, 32 yards If his part. Paul Perkins, they get a little bit involved. Look, it's just... This is a close game all the way through. But like I said, the Lions are going to be a pass-first team now. And it's clear that for whatever reason... Even though Ty Johnson has actually had games where he's performed for them, they do not want to use him consistently. They don't. He actually was tied with J.D. McKissick as far as touches in the passing game, but J.D. McKissick, again, was better. Three catches, 40 yards for a touch, compared to three catches for seven yards. Until they sign another running back... Ty Johnson still technically the starter, so once again it goes back to the Mark Walton pulse theory. Where I can just I see teams in the twelve team leagues, you're going to need guys with a pulse over the next few weeks. I get it, but really, if it wasn't for these bye weeks, the second it turns week thirteen, I'm dropping guys like Mark Walton. I'm dropping guys like Ty Johnson. There's never going to be a situation in which you're going to want to actually play them in the playoff weeks. The Raiders, Josh Jacobs, twenty eight carries. 28 carries. I'll talk about his production in a second. 28 carries. Didn't give you anything in the receptions, but he continues to get well over 20 touches every single week. And it's just putting him right up there. He's starting to merge into low-end RB1 territory now at this point with the amount of touches he's been getting and the effectiveness that he has shown. 120 yards and two touchdowns against a not bad run defense. Not great, but not a bad run defense here. Make no mistake about it. Derek Carr, solid again for a third week in a row. 289 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Got the ball to Hunter Renfro, who was effective again. Six catches, 54 yards, and another touchdown. We'll see how long that continues. Darren Waller, two weeks in a row now, he's only had two catches. This one, he went for 52 yards, but he didn't get the touchdown. He's still somebody who's a focal point of this offense. He's still a mismatch every single week. He's still a guy that you're going to go ahead and keep playing, but... It is a little concerning the last two weeks in a row. He suddenly went from a guy who was getting like five to seven catches every single game to only two catches the last two weeks in a row. We'll see what happens. They do play Thursday night against the Chargers. So we'll see what happens there. Tywa Williams did not score in this game. And that is shocking because he's pretty much scored in every game he's played in. Did not score in this one. Three catches, 48 yards. Did have to go against Darius Slay in this game, which why is why it's not that, that surprising. But... So far this season, he had scored in every game he played, so I can't blame him if you tried to play him to go for a touchdown again. Darius Slade was back, though, held him in check. Better days are ahead for Tyrell Williams. He continues to be a guy who's a low-end wide receiver three, who's a, who's a pretty consistent play for you at that as well. We're going to take one last break, come back on the other side. We'll wrap up the episode with the last three games that we're going to recap for today. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become a new member of Overtime Heroics. Overtime Heroics is a fantastic sports media platform for sports fans all around the world to come and participate in their extensive forums. And now with the merger of the Land Sports Network, the website will soon have great content available from extremely well-written articles to entertaining and informative podcasts from all sports for you to enjoy. All you have to do is register for free at OvertimeHeroics.com to participate. Again, that's OvertimeHeroics.com. All right, let's finish strong here. We got three more games to get through before we close down this episode. Starting off with the Green Bay Packers and the Los Angeles Chargers. This game didn't go as I expected either. Only 11 points for the Green Bay Packers with the way they've been playing on offense as of late. And Devontae Adams came back in this game was not what I was expecting at all. But guess what? The offense for the Chargers looked pretty darn good with Ken Wizenhunt fired. Shocker. Every time this guy gets fired, the offense he leaves behind suddenly improves. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, this guy should stop getting jobs. I don't know. I'm just saying. That would would be my synopsis. That would be my analysis right there. That uh, maybe Kim Wisenhunt isn't that great of an offensive coordinator. Don't know why he continues to get jobs, but... That's the NFL for you. You get the NFL carousel of coaches that just goes round and round and round and round and round. We can't seem to really break the cycle ever until somebody finally gets fed up enough. And in his absence, with Anthony Lynn calling the game plan, Philip Rivers. Well, he didn't have any touchdowns for you. Didn't have a great fantasy day for you, but twenty-one of twenty-eight, two hundred ninety-four yards. It's a good NFL game. The fantasy days will come when you start playing like that. Melvin Gordon, guess who got 20 carries with no Ken Wizen hunt calling plays? Melvin Gordon did 20 carries, 80 yards, and two touchdowns. Two rushing touchdowns for Melvin Gordon. But guess what? Austin Eckler still involved. I told you guys, Austin Eckler is still gonna be a flex play. He's gonna have his big ceilings like he used to. Yeah, probably not. But he's still gonna be a flex play. 12 carries, 70 yards in this one. Tacked on four catches for 23 yards. You're playing him, you're, you're starting him and you're flexing the PPR leagues. You're going to take that kind of performance. Melvin Gordon tacked on three catch for 29 yards to go with his production as he was involved in the passing game too. Look how much better this offense was when they're able to get the running game going and actually going, not just handing off carries up the middle for, out of shotgun for no reason, switching up the formations. I don't know why it took him this long. But now all of a sudden the Chargers are four and five and they're cooking with some momentum. Expect them to see them keep doing this. I told you guys, if you were Melvin Gordon owners, this was the light at the end of the tunnel that you were looking for. This is more what I expect the rest of the way. Now, yes, this was a a favorable game plan for most of it and it's not always going to go that way, but this is going to be their game plan they're going to try to execute going into games. Mike Williams, big day. Three catches, 111 yards. First hundred yard rush, his first heart. Sorry, excuse me. The first hundred yard receiving game that he's had in his career came on four targets on three catches. Though that's my one problem with it. It was big play dependent, and still, still has not gotten in the end zone. Now, of course, yes, you'll take this performance out of Mike Williams, especially since he's been on your teams. He's too good of a talent for you to drop. I understand it, and with these bye weeks, you may even have to play him. Against the Oakland Raiders, you can play Mike Williams. You can. He's going to probably be a wide receiver three for me given how many teams are on by this week when I do my rankings. I just don't like that he's so big play dependent. And I would say touchdown dependent as well, except for he hasn't scored a touchdown yet this season. Maybe that changes against the Raiders. Maybe it doesn't. Hunter Henry, seven catches, 84 yards. The only guy that was left out was Keenan Allen. Three catches, 40 yards. They didn't have to go to him that much. I was expecting to bounce back this Thursday against the Oakland Raiders, I'm not too worried about it. I'm not too worried about him. He is a perfect by low candidate though, because now he had one decent game in the last, I want to say five or six games. So whoever has Keenan Allen, if they're sitting there, they're four and five, three and six, they know that or even if they're frankly, even if they're five and four, and they know that They feel like they had to make a move in order to make the playoffs or have a possibility to be able to win in the playoffs. Make them an offer. They might be willing to move on from Keenan Allen right now. Maybe even now more so than ever. Because this is a matchup against Green Bay Packers, you expected more things out of Keenan Allen, as they've been bad against guys who line up in the slot predominantly most of the time. I would see what you can get. He's definitely a buy low candidate for sure. On the Green Bay Packers side of the ball, Aaron Rodgers, huge disappointment. Huge disappointment. 23-35, 161 yards on a touch. This is with Devontae Adams back. This is against a Chargers defense that really hadn't been that great. It been kind of just in the middle of the pack. And this has been a red-hot Packer offense. Just did not look the same. Look, the Packers, really on both sides of the ball, it wasn't just the offense, the defense, too, looked lethargic. They looked like they just didn't have as much energy as the Chargers did. Could have been just one of those days where you just your team just didn't have it that day could be just one of those days, and honestly, I truly think that it was. As why well, on the Packers' side of the ball, for the most part, I'll go through what these guys did, but for the most part here, I kind of want you to take these statistics that they did today, take their their play, if you watch that game, or if you go back and watch that game, like I will be doing again, unfortunately, because I don't really want to watch this game again, but I will. Uh, if you go back and watch this game, take what they did, put it in a box, and throw that box out. Because there's nothing really fantasy relevant to take out of this game moving forward. Just because Aaron Jones had a bad game, eight carries for 30 yards only. Jamal Williams only had two carries for 10 yards. Jamal Williams did get the touchdown because he got just six catches for 39 yards in that game. But overall, didn't play great. Aaron Jones wasn't involved in the passing game at all. I did warn you guys, Devontae Adams coming back could very well mean less targets in the uh, less targets for the running backs in the passing game. That was the case here. I expect more than you know one target for Aaron Jones moving forward, so I'm not really too worried about that. But again, this is a game where I, I kind of want to just pack it up, throw it out, and forget about it when it comes to the Green Bay Packers. Monte Adams, he was targeted a lot. 11 targets, 7 catches, only 41 yards, no touchdowns. Better days are obviously ahead. Alan Lazard, he's the one guy coming out of this game you might be able to have a role. Because now Geronimo Allison got hurt in this game. We don't know exactly how long it's going to be. But for now, if he's going to be out, Alan Lazard's going to be in. He looks like he has taken this place of Marquez Valdez-Scantling. What Marquez Valdez-Scantling was supposed to be this season looks like is now the role of Alan Lazard's, Making him somebody that should be picked up and played as the Green Bay Packers wide receiver too. And more games ahead, they will actually be able to sustain two wide receivers for fantasy relevancy, especially now they have Devontae Adams back. And this offense has been playing a lot better over the past month. So I'm not going to take any of that away just because of a one bad game here. That was just really weird for the team in general. So we're going to pack that up. We're going to throw that out. The Browns and the Broncos. Baker is what I thought he was. I gave him a little credit after he set the rookie record. Hard not to. I didn't like him coming out of college, though. If you listened to the show two years ago, you know that. I was not a Baker fan. I despise the Browns for taking him number one, especially over Lamar. I'll, and I'll, I'll even say it, especially over Josh Rosen. The Josh Rosen thing doesn't look great for me right now, but you know what? I still would have taken Josh Rosen over Baker Mayfield as it was two years ago because Baker is what I thought he is. Can't read defenses. Can't see over the line. Doesn't have a strong arm. Doesn't make good decisions. Period. Period. That's it. Period. Can't get the ball to those playmakers that you should be getting the ball to on a consistent basis. 27-42. to 42, 273 yards. Touchdown. No interceptions. This is considered a clean game for Baker Mayfield. Did tack on 22 yards rushing. He continues to be a non-factor for fantasy purposes. There's always going to be a better streaming quarterback than Baker Mayfield right now. Odell Beckham. Five catches 87 yards on six targets you know the sad thing is the sad thing is that this is actually one of your better games you've gotten out of Odell Beckham this entire season now this was a tough matchup here he did see a lot of Chris Harris but at some point Beckham's got to be the guy get the ball. Jarvis Landry had 13 targets in this game, 6 catches, 51 yards. He did get the touchdown for you. He continues to be somewhat serviceable, somewhat what you wanted him to be, which is a high-end wide receiver 3 with some low-end wide receiver 2 potential when it comes to PPR leagues. That's kind of what he drafted him to be. That's kind of where he's been. He's been the only guy in that area. Still hasn't been great. Still hasn't been exciting, but kind of where you, you wanted him to be. While everyone else has just been a huge disappointment. Nick Chubb had 20 carries again, but this time only 65 yards, 4 catches, 26 yards. It was a tough matchup. The Broncos have been playing a lot better run defense as of late. So I didn't expect Nick Chubb to go crazy in this game. But just look, I don't know. Their schedule does get easier after they play Buffalo next week. But if you have Odell Beckham, sell, sell, sell. I don't know how you trust this guy. I don't know how you trust this offense right now heading into your playoffs. Can't. Can't. Not at all. Nick Chubb, I'm getting ready to sell him too. What happens when Kareem Hunt comes back? He's not just going to sit on the sideline. Now, I don't think it's going to be quite the 50-50 split, but even if it's 60-40 on an offense that's been struggling, I don't know how much I want Nick Chubb for the playoff run. So right now, if you can sell Nick Chubb for an RB1, I was going to say Le'Veon Bell, but you need Le'Veon Bell and something because he's still better than that. But if you could sell, if you could sell him with something for a top three RB one right now, I would try to do that deal. If you, if you could package Nick Chubb and a wide receiver of some sort or another running back for a Dalvin Cook, something of that nature, I would try to do it. Yes, it would be have to be that kind of a deal, but I am not opposed to trading Nick Chubb as my more overall point. Brandon Allen, rookie quarterback, coming in. Didn't have to do too much. 12-20, to two touchdowns. That's the other thing about this Cleveland team. Their defense isn't even playing the way they should. Stevens should be a lot better. They got gashed in this one. Phil Lindsay, nine carries, 92 yards and a touch. Royce Freeman was the real disappointment in this game. He didn't do much. Only five carries, 15 yards, only one catch for a negative one yard. Just wasn't involved after being... Pretty thoroughly involved the past couple of weeks in getting into the end zone. Really disappointing to see in this one, especially against a team that you know has been susceptible to the run. But then you have Cortland Sutton, five catches, 56 yards, a touchdown. That was the big ask everybody wanted to know. With Brandon Allen, what can we expect out of Cortland Sutton? And he did what I kind of expected him to do. Now, he got the touchdown, which was a nice bonus in my mind, but he has a high floor. That's what I said. He's going to have a ton of targets now with no Emmanuel Sanders. He is going to be the number one read. As long as Brandon Allen's a quarterback, that's where he's going to look to go to first. And then from there, I expected him to dump it down to the running backs. He didn't really do that in this game, but... He only threw the ball 20 times total, so it's kind of hard to know if he's not going to do that on a consistent basis or not. Noah Fant, out of nowhere, got four targets, three catches, 115 yards, and a touchdown. All Most of it, obviously, coming off the big 75-yard touchdown that he was able to get, make a move, break a tackle, and show off why he's so athletic. Nothing. It's not something I'm suddenly going to think that Noah Fant turned a corner either. It was a one-freak play. If he can do it consistently, great. But as of right now, with the way he's played this season, we have to consider that one big play a fluke. Last game we're going to talk about is the Titans and the Panthers. Oh, I'm sorry. We talked about this game already. My bad. My mistake. My mistake. That's it. We wrapped up the episode, we got through them all. So remember, tomorrow we'll be back. Sunday night football recap, Monday night football recap, and then of course with the waiver wire report, which is what we're all going to be looking forward to. It's going to be going into week 10. We are It's it's playoff time. It's do or die. There's four games left. So you have four games to make your playoffs, four games to prepare for your playoff matchups. So obviously, if you're in a tight race right now and you got to do everything just to try to make it, you're not going to be worrying about what your playoff matchups are week 14, 15, 16. But if you're 6 and 3, if you're 7 and 2, 8 and 1, 9 and 0, oh, whatever. If you're in that situation and you're looking pretty prime for your playoff spot right now, start to take a peek. Start to take a look. What do I have week 14, 15, 16, whatever. Try to start adjusting your rosters accordingly. Obviously in a way that doesn't hurt you now, but maybe some guys that have been pretty good for you up until this point, maybe you do ship them off for somebody who's has similar value, but a better matchup. Start looking around. We'll get into all that when we talk about the waiver wire report tomorrow. I hope you guys all enjoyed today's show. Make sure you're checking me out on Twitter at MDSFFShow. For all those player news update notifications, make sure you can contact me on Facebook at Show and make sure you're checking out the website, www.mdffshow.com. You can direct email me from there. You can check out the rankings from there. You can check out the episodes from there really great website for you guys get your one stop shop fantasy football knowledge and entertainment all right there on the website make sure you're checking out one of my networks at Belly Up Sports we're running great department fantasy sports over there and of course check out Unwrap Sports which I do the sportscaster videos with which I will be on again this week I'll probably do a waiver wire report video and of course check out Overtime Heroics as well I hope you guys all enjoyed today's show I will see you again soon
1: Thank you for listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show.